0: I think we trick ourselves to say the more audience that we have the more effective I'm going to be in preaching the gospel. And I and I would just say I think that's a that can be a trap and can be a trick because in reality let's say you get all that and let's say you know after 5 years of being on this trajectory of like everybody you becoming the household name of every you know middle-aged woman or you know young 14-year-old upcoming you know preacher who's wants to become well known and let's say some character issue or flaw inside of you comes undone in your whole life. All of your preaching, all of it is gone. It's, it's over. Like, you will not reclaim it. Your sermons will no longer be, you know, the, the main topic of, of opinion. And that's why I would say character is the most important part of all of this.
1: Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 156. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and you're about to hear a great conversation with Pastor Brian Stupar. He's a pastor of Calvary San Luis Obispo in the beautiful central coast of California. And we speak largely about the character, the importance of the inner life of the preacher of God's word. It's more than just your rhetorical ability that God cares about. It is a lifestyle of consistent, practical, lived-out holiness that is needed to leave a footprint or a legacy that God can and will bless. So in this conversation, uh, Brian and I speak about the the patterns, the rhythms, the habits— that he has in his own life to guard his character so that he can preach God's word with confidence and conviction. This might be a good time to let you know that we not only exist as a audio podcast that you're listening to now, but we also have a YouTube channel So since the majority of our interviews are performed on Zoom these days, it means that there also is a video that you can watch along with. And so I just wanna highlight that to you. We started the YouTube channel a couple of months ago and you can find the um, the videos that go along with these um, interviews. And you especially maybe want to to watch this one on video. Not only because Brian is a very good-looking guy, but because towards the beginning, he um, he, he shows me on video the, uh, the actual sermon notes from the very first sermon that he ever preached. So uh, check it out on YouTube. Search for The Expositor's Collective Podcast, and you can find that there. All right, so I'm going to get out of your way, and uh, I hope that this episode... Um, And all that we do at the Expositors Collective, our hope is that it helps you grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective podcast. I'm here with Pastor Brian Stupar. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you. Um, So you're joining us uh, somewhat early in, in the
0: morning over there. Is that right? Yeah, it's, you know. It's eight thirty. I'm I I'm, I'm a morning person, so um, I've been up for quite a while. So okay, well, thank you for giving us
1: some of your some of your morning. I live in Ireland, where everything kind of starts at like nine forty five. Um, we're a nation of late of late risers. So thank you for making time for us. Uh, so this is this is I think your first time officially on the Expositors Collective podcast, uh, but I want the listeners to know that you almost were on an earlier episode. Yeah. Long long ago, like what, two plus years ago, almost three years ago, is that it? Um, you, me, and an unnamed pastor, um, the, th- the three of us sat together and had, I thought, a really great uh, kind of free-form conversation. And, uh, and then that unnamed pastor decided afterwards, ah, I don't really want that to go out. <laughs> and so it was yanked, and it never got released. Yep. So ever since then, I thought, I really want to get... Brian on his own. I want to make people sign consent forms first, that they can't revoke it. But we had a good conversation, if I remember, about
0: about uh, team preaching. Pardon me. Like team preaching and 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 uh, elaboration from other team members to yeah. Preach.
1: And the and the difference between um, plagiarism and uh, you know healthy inspiration or even you know borrowing or collaborating. Anyway, that never saw the light of day, but let's let's record this one and broadcast this one. Okay, Brian. Sounds great. <laughs> um, so that was at the very first, though, Expositors Collective like training weekend in Thousand Oaks. And, and you came down for that. And I believe you are a panelist as well as a mentor. And um, what did you think of that? What, what brought you down?
0: Well, I think a couple things. One, obviously just the content itself is always something that I'm really passionate about is good expositional Bible teaching and how to help, um, you know, others to think through that. Um, but then, you know, I think for me as well, just, uh, I love being able to disciple younger guys in terms of thinking through what a life of, you know, service to Jesus by way of ministry, uh, vocationally, you know, looks like, or by vocationally. Um, and then thirdly, you know, just you guys, I, I like you guys. I like being out, hanging out with you guys. And it was a, uh, it was a good time just to be able to connect and uh, you know, in the word. And uh, man, I think also to that little lunch break, we had tacos and that was really good. I still think I about that taco tacos. shop. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to, to reminisce about that, you know, cause these, these days expositors collective is kind of, only a podcast or temporarily only a podcast but it's just good to remember that you know we're here you know we we gather together we train people people are mentored and equipped and and you know sent off to to minister from it but thanks for your investment involvement back then uh but hey could you please tell us we're all dying to know about the first time you ever preached a sermon what was your first sermon like
0: yeah you know it's funny um I was a senior in high school and I had started going to a Christian school down in Orange County. Um, my, my parents put me in a Christian school, uh, my senior year of high school, it was not by choice, but you know, since that's what God was calling me to. And, um, I was itching to teach the Bible and, uh, the Bible teacher at that Christian school was like, Hey, why don't you, uh, you know, seems like be kind of cool. Maybe start like a, a, lunchtime Bible study. So I was like, great, I'm going to do that. So I did that. And uh, I didn't really know exactly what to teach. I didn't even really know how to teach. You know, I had no like equipping, no like (laughs) formal, you know, knowledge, you know, things, ways to go about that. So I got myself a, I think it was a, oh, J Vernon McGee uh, commentary on uh, James is what the very first book I had actually gone through, James, the book of James. And uh, I, again, the thought of plagiarism was not even like part of my lexicon. So um, I probably just like, you know, lifted verbatim stuff that he was saying and, and then just conveyed it to the people that were there uh, willing to join. I mean, it was crazy because like that first time that we had done that, I, all I remember is the classroom was full. So I don't know, maybe 30, 35 um, kids came to that thing, which is my very first like, you know, entry into teaching the Bible. Um, you know, so I think that moment was, uh, in some ways kind of a confirmational moment where I just sensed God saying, this is what I I've wired you to do. I want to be able to use this gift through your life to impact other people. So it was like the book of James was the content, you know, uh, Vernon McGee was kind of the main information that I was using from that. The, you know, so I, I feel that, it was uh, probably really rough, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I, I look, I've always kind of had this approach where what I have might not be, you know, on par or even better than other people, but it's what I have. And yeah. I want to use it to the glory of God. And and that might uh, resonate with some. And to others, it might just repel them or make them frustrated. But that's, that's not for me to decide or judge. And, you know, I'm an Enneagram... Uh eight, so I'm I'm kind of, you know, just that mindset of like I'm gonna I'm gonna go do what I'm gonna go do and, and if uh they'll if there's people that come along, cool. If yeah. not, then that's fine. I'm I'm not their cup of tea. Yeah. As a vehicle.
1: So so you began in James and was it rotating between you and other like Bible teachers or, or Bible study leaders
0: or was it you? Yeah, it was just me. It was just me every week. Oh. Just kinda did that whole thing and in fact I, you know, it's funny, um, I actually have, oh, check it out, it's right here, actually. I was not planning this, but dude, oh, this is crazy. Check this out. So this is actually my first notes. Whoa, I forgot about this. Okay, so check it out. This is, you probably can't see this, but James four. These were my notes, my initial notes. Wow, that's pretty good handwriting too. For an 18-year-old boy. <laughs> Dude, it's changed since then. I, I don't even know if it's legible anymore, but um, I just don't write. But, yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, this is this is my original. Um, then also there was another – around that same time um, I taught a Bible study. Richard Cimino, um, he's a pastor at a church called Metro up yeah. in Northern California. He was my high school pastor. And, uh, he had actually given me the opportunity to preach on a night that he was gone somewhere. I don't know, in Israel or whatever. And I'd stayed back and he, uh, was like, Hey, I want you to teach on a Wednesday night and Wednesday night high school group was between 80 to 150 kids that would come out to that. So that was a little bit nerve wracking for me. But, um, in that context, I, I taught on the, the, uh, you know, tear down the barns, build bigger barns passage, I think out of Luke. And okay. um so that was my other like main entry point into teaching um yeah and, and more of a kind of a ch- a church setting as well yeah yeah so
1: yeah Uh, That's, that's great. I mean, I I love these stories about, you know, like you're, you're quite established and you definitely have like your, your groove now, but it's so good because people that listen to this, like there's, there's some 18 year olds that are listening even, even right now. And, uh, I don't know, what, what would you say to the 18 version, 18 year old version of yourself? What would you say to these, these young people that, uh, it seems, it seems to me, and maybe you can, can agree or disagree, but that there's, is there less like go for it? Is there less, um, uh, enthusiasm to just dive into, uh, like kind of ministry in, in younger people these days that you're seeing, or is that just my own context?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is contextual. Um, the high school group that I grew up in was, there was a critical mass of a lot of high school age kids that were, um, I just read this quote from CS Lewis, he, you know, he says, if you want to get wet, you got to get near the fountain. If you want to get warm, you got to get near the fire. Um, and, his whole point was that if you're near the fountain, if you're near the fire, you cannot help but get splashed and warm and all part of that. And I feel like for me in my high school ministry, that's that's what was happening there. There was just like a central core of heat and warmth and 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 just uh, Im- impacting so many people. Um, I think that's rare. It's kind of like revival. You know, yeah. the, the the mythical grail of revival that oftentimes, you know, evangelicals love to, you know, talk about is, you know, revival. Yeah. Let's pray for revival. It's kind of like this. Um, I don't know. Uh,
1: Careful now, Brian. I have a revival tattoo, so
0: <laughs> I won't let you. I won't let you. <laughs> where you're from is, is the center of a lot of, like, amazing revivals, you know. So I, I believe in it, but it's one of those yeah. things where oftentimes I think it can be over um, – mythologized, if I can put it that way. Um, but I, I feel like I know it happens. I mean, I was there, I was, I was a part of it and there's no other way I can describe what what was happening. My high school group was sort of a revisitation of a revival that took place in the seventies, you know, during the Jesus movement. I feel like my high school ministry was sort of a carryover, um, from that moment. And, and I haven't seen it replicated, um, to be really honest with you. So I think a lot of it does have to do with context. Um, And you know, I know for one. I mean, I've, I'm going on almost 30 years of pastoring a church in a college town. And I can't even tell you how many years you know I I prayed and try to strategize to to replicate what I had in the high school ministry. And it's you know it's never happened. Um, you know, um, you know, so you know, not that, I, that I've not given up. You know, continue to pray. Yeah. Continue, I you know, but I've also realized I might not be the one to kind of uh, cultivate that it might come through somebody else or it might come after me, you know, but, so I don't want to give up on that. But, um, I I think what I would say to young, young people, like, look, give your heart to, to Jesus and like give your future. Like if, if God's calling you to something, step into that and, and don't be afraid to ask God what he's calling you into, um, for some form of clarification. And if, um, you know, there's some, I like to use the breadcrumb analogy, you know, follow those breadcrumbs, trying to figure out where that's heading, step into that, and then begin to look to what God has in terms of opportunities. Take advantage of opportunities. If there's an opportunity for you to lead a Bible study, or it seems as if there's a door that's somewhat open, don't be afraid to walk through that. And, uh, you know, embrace the fact that you're not going to have this thing perfected up front. You're you're, you're, you have to allow for a margin of error and growth. Um, you know, I think it's John Maxwell that wrote that, you know, book with the great title that someone should print on a coffee cup or I'm sure some evangelical evangelicals already done this. But fail forward, you know, the idea of fail forward, you're going to fail. Um, yeah. You can fail backwards. But really, I think what jesus offers us is a way to fail forward so you're going to you're going to fail you're going to have messages that aren't going to sound great or that you wish you would have said something different or you know you went way long or you know whatever um but you're going to learn and i think preaching is like a muscle um where you just got to exercise it and over time it will grow it will develop it will be cultivated um so um, I think early on, I, I learned to just realize I, I don't want, I got to be careful to not fall into this trap of comparing myself. And I'll give you one quick story. So when I first moved up to San Luis Obispo and I was um, beginning to pastor and preach, and um, I remember listening to a, a tape series. In fact, I'll, um, I won't name it, um, but it was super well-known pastor, preacher that had um, was conducting a, a preaching kind of a symposium or a class at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and um, super gifted teacher. And I remember listening to his messages and just really feeling this deep sense of like, Oh my gosh, I, I will never ever attain to this. And feeling a sense of like overwhelmed, um, like I can't do this. Like I'll never get this. And I think it was around that time. That I just sensed the Lord speaking in my heart saying I've made you to be you not that person and again also that person has you know 30 40 years of experience over you so yeah um yeah I I think the comparison trap is, is just that it's a trap so learn to cultivate how God has called you to be and live into that
1: yeah and I wonder if the you know the proliferation of accessibility to great Bible teachers you know like like you were listening to like a cassette tape series that somebody probably handed you or you might have like bought it from a store um, but these days uh, you know Christians are able to access the best of the best instantly you know don't even have to wait for it to download just streams instantly and maybe there that seems like there's such a high entry point whereas maybe when I was younger or when you were younger it's just like you just had your youth pastor you know warts and all and I could do what he does okay or I could do a slightly less good version of, of what he does whereas now people are comparing themselves to, you know, to, to John Maxwell or Tim Keller or all these guys that I've put not just 30, but 50 years into it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's a, a a dangerous trap that many can fall into. And I think because of the ubiquity of content everywhere, like you said, it's everywhere. You can't yeah. avoid it. Yeah. And we're creating it right now. <laughs> we're one, one more podcast in a sea of podcasts right now. Yeah, we're adding to that, which is you know again yeah. it has its value point, but at the end of the day, it's like I think the sheer volume of that. Um, I and I think what I would encourage people in today's world is find a few voices that are meaningful and helpful to you, and and learn from them and grow. You know you, that same that same time, you got to be careful to not make sure that you uh, uh, adopt their their tones or the way that they speak, be yourself. But, you know, it's okay to learn from mentors. Um, and you know, I've had multiple throughout the years, men that I would listen to and say, I really want to learn over and over and over again by way of listening to them, their argument, their, their way of thinking, the way that they process. And, um, so I, I think there's something helpful about that, but it can become, I think destructive when you're trying to like mimic, um, other elements that are unique to them as a human being. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and to
1: maybe go back just a little bit talking about like the, the revival uh, that you experienced or the renewal or whatever, you know, like I, I was like, you know, nodding pretty furiously because, you know, I, I experienced the exact same thing. In my high school as well, so um, I I know what it's like, you know, to to have this like it seems as if the spirit of God is just moving on a lot of people all at the same time, and people being as it were kind of like activated for for ministry and yeah I taught my first Bible study the same as you um, at at my high school campus to it wasn't to a, a crowded classroom but it was a crowded um, like the squad the quad the center of the the center of the of the school was was full of like 50, 60 people and it was like. All right, Bible study time. Uh, I guess I'll do uh, Romans chapter four, and that was my first my first time doing it. And a lot of people from that that time are still, you know, like serving the Lord some vocationally, most not. But this thing kind of happened, and uh, and I haven't seen it since. And maybe the same as you is like where I, I I would love to see it again. I I know that it can happen. There can just be this like increasing of the volume of the activity of God. But it's just not there yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, do you listen to Bright Eyes, or did you listen to Bright Eyes? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, well, he's got—he's a musician. Um, he's this preacher. It's my nickname for my favorite preacher. No, it's <laughs> its a, it's a uh, Connor Oberst. He's a musician. Um, but he's—he's he's got a line in one of his songs that says it's like, it's like, um. You're either working for a paycheck or you're waiting to win the lottery. And and I, I think that's kind of like, I think ordinary ministry is kind of like working for a paycheck. And of course, the analogy isn't perfect because it's not a workspace thing, you know, but you, you, you make money two different ways. You either do the same thing every day, you, you earn a paycheck, or you can just sit around and do nothing and wait to win the lottery. Um, so I've just kind of decided, well, I'm just going to work for a paycheck, just do the ordinary things, and then hope the Spirit of God comes and I can see something else like like what I saw back in 2000 and 2001. Um, or, no, 99 and 2000. I, wish, like, I hope I could see that again. It's been 20 years. I haven't seen it yet. But instead, I'm just going to keep on keep on plotting and hope that the spirit comes and breathes on it.
0: Where did you go to high school? Where was that?
1: Uh, Fallbrook, uh, Fallbrook, California.
0: Oh, okay. Is that San Diego?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, North San Diego County. So, like the very top of San Diego County and the bottom of uh, of uh, Riverside County. Avocado capital of the world. Perhaps you've you've heard of it. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> um, yeah. So how have you how have you grown since since then? So each of us maybe have started in somewhat unusual circumstances, uh, but how do you think you've grown as a Bible teacher since then? I'm going to imagine uh, Jay Vernon McGee isn't your sole influence any longer.
0: <laughs> I don't even know the last time I've listened or read anything by Jay Vernon McGee. Um, no, I mean he's you know he's he's great. He's a solid Bible teacher. Um, you know, I think honestly one of the things over the years that I've I've had to recognize, recognize, and deal with, and think through is just because content is there doesn't mean I need to access it or to Im- imbibe it and let it let it be my first go to. Um, and I think especially in today's culture, where like you said, content is everywhere, mm. um, you have to like pry yourself away from it because it's just right there. It's falling into your into your hands, you know, your lap, your mind. Um, So I think for me over the years, I probably past five, 10 years. um, I think to just realize like God's made me to be me. Um, My voice is a voice that he as a gift has given to me. It doesn't mean it's going to resonate with, with, you know, thousands and thousands of people on Instagram, which, you know, I don't have thousands and thousands of followers and, um, but it might resonate with some. And I, I think the, the culture that we live in, in terms of at least Christian context that has kind of created um, a celebrity status for well-known people, I think more so than ever, there's been a greater suspicion cast over all that. And so I think there's a, for me personally, over the past multiple years of just realizing, I just wanna be faithful. I just wanna be faithful to Jesus. And if my voice goes beyond my city, That's awesome. But, you know, my aim is not to do that. My aim is to really just be faithful as a pastor and as a teacher, Bible teacher to those whom God brings in my local context. Um, And that, that requires me to be really faithful myself to, you know, maintain my character before Jesus, uh, which, you know, involves needing to have certain habits that are uh, developmental for my spiritual Status, my you know my, my walking with Jesus, you know, wanting to be a good dad, good husband, um, all of those things are really important to the heart of Jesus. So I think how that all of that actually plays into how I perceive being a Bible teacher today. Um, okay. You know, I think over the past twenty years, you know, like many, maybe even thirty years, um, I've just watched consistently like wave after wave after wave of really quote unquote successful preacher who had, you know, a large footprint um, and has grown and has been recognized, but there's been something about their inner development as a follower of Jesus that has, has not been healthy. And that's brought about the destruction not only of their own ministry, their life, but it's actually caused the entire edifice of their preaching career to come crashing in. So in other words, at the end of the day, they're preaching um, ministry has been only as strong as the character that it is built upon. That, and you know, again, without naming names because I think we already know who those names are. But you know, over the past five years of just watching many super well-known people, you know, even apologists and people that have studied the Scripture, that that I would say are really gifted, um, yeah. that their inner core of, of who they are as a human being was uh, was was not up to par. Was not. Uh, in alignment with, with King Jesus. And I think that brought everything down. So I think for me, just, I, I, I have a good friend of mine that pastored a church in in our city. And I, I don't know how much this podcast will be listened to on the central coast may, unless I post it. But um, uh, I have a good friend of mine that basically had some character challenges. He was a pastor and his entire world kind of came collapsing in. So I remember just thinking, gosh, this guy had lived and created so much. The church, his influence was very broad, very wide. um, And yet because of some of these character elements that were not fully um, in a right place – it caused all of his preaching to crumble. So I think in our modern world, if you're a young pastor, you know, old pastor, and you're like, hey, I want my preaching to matter, then I would say what you need to do, first and foremost, is not try to figure out how to create a podcast, write a book, you know, craft a series of uh, easy to follow along sermons, um, but live a life that's uh, full of character before the heart of God Um, and that's first and foremost, because if that's not in place, then all of these other, um, auxiliary aims will come crashing in on themselves. So I think first and foremost, that's that, I mean, there's some definitely some practical techniques. I would say that, um, rhythms that have been developed in my life over the past five plus years that have been really, really helpful for me in terms of preaching. Could could I, could I jump
1: in though? Yeah. (laughs) Like, so, Thank you. Like, thank you. Thank you. Like, so be, be, um, so you're, you're saying that like your sermons have, you know, been on this trajectory of improvement or you, you, you hope so because you, you've been investing in your life, um, and your character, because ultimately, uh, the best sermon preached by a person of low character is powerless. Is that, am I putting words in your mouth?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, even, even with that, I would say a sermon preached by a horrible human being could actually be really good and it could actually have some traction. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the odd tension I think we live in that God can take anything from really messed up people and let it go far and wide. Um, And yet at the same time, I think that's where like the bigger aims need to be kind of squared. Like what I mean by that is, If your aim is just to create a really articulate, articulate um, message that is either really highlighting the content of scripture, like 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 an exposition or just creating a really good message that's like got some traction and it's going to get a lot of tweets and retweets um and you know and that will be the sermon that will get you on the you know the next passion circuit you know where you're going to preach in front of 40,000 people um at the end of the, if that's your objective then i would say one that i think there's some character elements that that you got to make sure you know uh, worldly um desires i think need to be carefully examined but if your objective is to say i really just want to be faithful to Jesus, because he's my Lord, he's the one who I have given my heart, my soul, my life, my mind, all to, because he's, he's given himself to me, then I think what will end up happening is God will then take whatever it is that you bring to the table, and then take it wherever he wants it to be taken, <laughs> um, w- without me feeling like I've got to market myself, you know, I got to be not only my own preacher, but I've also got to be my own marketer. And unfortunately, I think that's the culture we live in in the West is that a lot of preachers want to be marketed. Um, They want to market themselves. They want to, I mean, look, you know, I see a lot of times guys that, you know, I follow a lot of of dudes on Instagram and it's interesting to me of how many, and again, I think we're all wired this way where we want to be seen with really popular people. And I think that what that does is it expands our footprint. It's, it's a form of self-marketing. Um, and look, I mean, I, I realize for some people it's like, we, we want, I think we trick ourselves to say the more audience that we have, the more effective I'm going to be in preaching the gospel. And I, and I would just say, I think that's a, that can be a trap and can be a trick because in reality, let's say you get all that. And let's say, you know, after five years of being on this trajectory of like everybody, you becoming the household name of every, you know, middle-aged woman or, you know, young 14 year old upcoming, you know, preacher, who's, you know, wants to become well-known. And let's say some character issue or flaw inside of you comes undone in your whole life. Now all of your preaching, all of it is gone. It's it's over. Like you will not reclaim it. Your sermons will no longer be, you know, the, the main topic of, of opinion. And that's why I would say character is the most important part of all of this.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean I saw Tenant recently. Have you seen it in cinema? No, I haven't. Oh well, then never mind. <laughs> but it's it has to do with kind of time travel. But instead of like they don't like zoom backwards, they don't go. You know, but it's like they go up to a certain point and then they kind of can like invert themselves and then they kind of live. They live the same time but backwards. And this this character stuff that you're talking about, it's it's so true. And I mean. We're, we're, it's it's February uh, it's February 16th 2021 I'm I'm looking at the date now like and there's already been a good few of these character issues that have come to light um in in this year and you know this probably won't be released until March I I wonder if there's any new revelations that are going to come out between now and when this is released but but you know like it's possible to to you know progress through time chronologically, and then something happens, or or something is is revealed anyway, and it's like all of that just kind of gets evaporated. And so there's you know we want to preach good sermons, but we also want to have a good uh, career is the absolute worst word for it, but a good a good footprint, a good imprint of of just faithful gospeling.
0: Yeah, you know, and I I think at the end of the day that there has been too much of an emphasis, and we've heard this said before by a lot of people, that too much of an emphasis upon the gifting over character. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's easy to do that. I think it's really easy to do that. And the same reason why nobody, you know, is in awe of the foundation of, you know, the Empire State Building, like nobody. Nobody walks, oh, this is amazing foundation, because it's <laughs> unseen. But yeah. without the foundation of the Empire State Building, you don't have an Empire State Building. Um, it's the Empire State Building that's spectacular. It's you know it catches people's attention, but the point that I'd make is that there's some people that are really gifted speakers, and that becomes sort of the the highlighted element of their life. Um, and it's really easy to use that as a selling point. I'm like you got to check this person out because they're such a good speaker, and um, you don't really hear anybody be like you got to check this guy out because he's such a good husband and good daddy and good you know just he he spends time in prayer and seeking god and i want to be really clear like i'm not saying that you know i've got this whole thing down as far as like character um you know i'm i'm you know i got major flaws i'm consistently working through as well and so i have i have no condescension towards anybody but i also just realize like as much as i realize i need character in my life As much as I strive for that, long for that, you know, pray with my wife over those types of character issues as well, I just realized, like, that's that's central to who I am as a man of God or man trying to be a man of God and trying to be a faithful preacher of the gospel.
1: (sighs) Well, it almost feels trite to go from that to be like, okay, now tell me about your weekly sermon rhythm.
0: You know, in, in some ways there's, there's a bridge. I think there's a segue because it, it does play a little bit into just even for me, like my, my weekly rhythms. Like, um, yeah, I, I think as far as like prep, it does play into rhythms that, you know, I've crafted or created over time in my life to help me not only wrestle with the scripture, like on a personal private level, but then also as I'm wrestling through these things. I'm jotting down notes, I'm writing things, you know, there's so, so for example, like we're right now, we're in a series going through first Peter. And um, I started reading first Peter almost a year ago, um, just personally, privately, just on my own. Um, I had a sense that maybe, you know, at some point, God would want to have us go through the book of Peter. And um, so I just started reading it. And so typically what I do in terms of uh, prep, I'll start months ahead of time. Um, just reading the text. And um, the way that I do that has kind of evolved over the years. And probably I'll just jump to how I do that now is I'll just I'll listen to app like, a, like, there's an app called the dwell app. I um, yeah. highly recommend this if you don't have the dwell app, you know, either buy the monthly thing or just buy the the, the entire lifelong subscription, I bought the lifelong subscription, because I use it all the time. And so what the Dwell App does, it allows me to listen to, say, for example, the entire book of First Peter. So five chapters, I'll put it on repeat. Um, you know, you can set music to it. You can set, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, three minutes in between each chapter to just kind of have quiet, meditative music playing. Yeah. But then I'll go for a walk or I'll go for a workout or something that's not like heavily intense and, you know, it might be an hour, hour and a half. And within that hour, hour and a half walk, um, I may have been able to listen to the entire book twice, maybe three times. And again, my big idea behind that is to not like get a comprehensive knowledge of every other little facet is I yeah. want to become very familiar with like the, the stream of thought that the author is trying to convey. And um, and the way I do that is, is I want to be able to read it the way I think first, listeners would have read it. You know, in other words, it would have been read to them um, because most people in the first century were illiterate. um, And those letters were actually intended to be read in one sitting. So the book of John, you know, is intended to be like, you know, Bible, you know, story time with, you know, John or one of the people that were representing John. So everyone gather around the fire and listen to the story of gospel of John. And, um, and so I find that by doing that, I, I'm, I'm picking up, I'm, picking up elements of the text and concepts. And um, and again, all of this is even before me thinking about like outlining it, breaking it down, you know, various verses or even phrases or even words of the text. I just want to know what the general concept is that this author is trying to convey to its audience of which I'm kind of an outlier. I'm sitting on the outside, very far outside of the of the campfire, you know. And so as I, as I do that, um, I begin to write stuff down, stuff that's hitting me personally, like even the book of Peter, you know, obviously when I started reading that we weren't quite in COVID. And then I actually took a sabbatical over the summer. Um, you know, it was crazy in the midst of, you know, pandemic and social unrest and, all the above, um, and in some ways, it was so apropos, apropos for me to just begin to even de- delve deeper into the book. Um, and the theme of suffering um, juxtaposed with glory just kept coming back over and over and over again. Yeah. It's just like a regular repeating theme. Um, and that became sort of the, the the title of the sermon series, Suffering and Glory is what we're calling it, yeah. um, through the book of uh, First Peter. So that's kind of how I do that, first and foremost. I I, I want the text to speak to me, the Holy Spirit through the text to speak to me first before I even go to a a commentator. Um, But I do listen to commentators and I do read them um, because I do believe very strongly that God speaks through people um, and that he gives special insight. You know, we oftentimes, and I I wanna do that through a diversity of like time, in some cases, even um, ethnicity, you know, different, Area so there's there's a different grouping of voices that I'll listen to from you know a different era. Um, I've been listening or reading a lot of Charles Simeon. Um, been really encouraged by him. Again, he was several hundred years ago. Okay. Um, then there's some other scholars and theologians in the modern world. I've been reading uh, both female scholars, um, minority voices, scholars. You know, and I'm not trying to be like PC, but I but I am deeply um, I, I want to learn from other voices that have had to wrestle. Yeah. Like one of the uh, voices I've been listening to is the um, I've actually this kind of, uh, I think it's called the African uh, study Bible. I think is what th- there's actually a website. Um, and the guy that has actually created this, he's a historian scholar. And uh, I've, I've been really blessed by this because what it's done for me, especially what I didn't know, for example, the book of first Peter was, very cherished within um, suppressed and oppressed people groups. So, for example, African-American Christians or people living in um, Latin American countries that have felt the oppression of, say, communism, whatever, um, Venezuela – they have looked at the book of first Peter as being very cherished. You know, they read it's it like and meditate manual. upon it. Yeah. It's like, like a manual of like suffering. How do we do that well without becoming absorbed in the culture, broader culture at large or um, becoming like them or losing our identity. So that's kind of how I do that. And so on a week to week basis, I'll spend time usually um, on Thursdays, I'll, just get uh, gather together all sorts of information fridays kind of i 'm putting things together and saturdays i 'll just um, and then usually uh, you know i 'm sitting down kind of fine tuning stuff and then Sunday morning, usually I uh, recently discovered the i you know, about a year ago the iPad pro and with the Apple pencil, you can actually annotate like write notes and highlight stuff and so i 'll sit down and i 'll write stuff out with my apple pencil and, and that 's what I used to preach from and read from. So that's kind of the, the general gist of how I yes. go about preparing and putting together an outline. My outlines are usually, I don't have like a full um, manuscript where I write everything out. Um, my brain doesn't typically think that way. It's more of just like a bullet points. Here's some general ideas. If it's a, if there's a scripture in there that I'm feeling prompted to read, I'm not going to memorize that. So I'll write that entire scripture out. Um, if there's a you know um, an illustration, I'll put that illustration in there. Or a quote, I'll put that in there. Otherwise, it's just a very skeleton form of uh, an outline that I use to then just riff off of.
1: Wow, that's that's awesome, and I want to talk about the Africa Study Bible because I have it too. It's it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Well, I mean, like I have a print version. It's like the New Living Translation, but with like commentary um, at the bottom and introductions to each to each book. And yeah, I've just been I've been benefiting from it. I haven't quoted it too much yet. You know, I I bought it. Uh, I don't know, mid-pandemic. Well actually, who knows when the middle of this is. <laughs> but I, I yeah, who who knows? I, I bought it I bought it in the summer. Um, and I haven't quoted uh, it loads, but I've I've been trying to read it every time. Um, this, the stories or the little commentary, or the little sidebars are just so interesting because it's applying it to, you know, contemporary African issues, and and that's just not on my radar. And it's, you know, to be honest, it's not on many Irish people's radars either, but it's kind of an example of how do we take this and apply this to these ongoing issues um, that Peter might not be aware of when he writes it, but the Spirit can use Peter's words for these types of things. So it's, it's expanding of the minds to see how different kinds of people interact with Scripture.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's correct. And that's um, the the web, there's actually a website that I it's called Center for Early Early African Christianity, or the website is just actually earlyafricanchristianity.com. There's a guy, a uh, scholar, theologian by the name of Thomas Oden. A lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, he died He died
0: recently, yeah. Yeah, so he he kind of like has created this website or is a part of it. Um, there's all sorts of great resources that are available through this. And then from that, you know, that's where that uh, African commentary uh, kind of came from. But, oh,
1: okay. Okay. Uh, maybe, I wonder if we're talking about the same thing or not, but there's, there's, well, I think anyway, it's good for us, us Europeans or us descendants of Europeans to realize that, you know, there's, there's other people to learn from beyond, uh, the Puritans or the good old English preachers. Um, there's, there's other types of Christians that have been faithful for a long, long time and,
0: and we could do well to learn from them. And that's what piques my curiosity a lot in, and just hearing the same sacred scriptures, um, come through the filter or the experience of another human being that might be in a different era or a different skin color or a different continent than myself, um, I find really, really helpful for me. It gives me different angles or uh, vantage points to uh, receive from the scripture.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and um, on episode 153 of the Expositors Collective podcast, um, I spoke with um, with Cheryl Brogerson about this, kind of at length. The whole second half of the interview was talking about that, kind of looking at what Ephesians chapter 2, I believe, talks about. Is it, where, you know, it's like together with all the saints... Um, we see the high depth, breadth, width uh, of the love of, and like it takes it takes all the saints together to see this. That you see something that I don't see, and that our African brothers and sisters see something that our Hong Kong brothers and sisters don't. See, you know, and but together with all the saints, we're able to to grasp and learn this together.
0: Okay. Yep, exactly, it's correct.
1: Um, wow. Okay. Hey. Here's another question. <laughs> Hard transition. So you pastor in a in a college city, um, and, and so do I. So I know that there's like the transience that comes from people that show up, people that get plugged in, and a year later or four years later they're gone. Um, and I'm doing the math. If you've been there for 27 or so years, that means you've seen a lot of a lot of this cycle again and again and again. How how does that impact your preaching or how do you preach to a transient um, percentage of your church?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I was, I've, I've obviously been hugely impacted like a lot of guys probably watch, listening, h- hearing this um, by Tim Keller and, you know, Tim Keller's um, big thing is to talk about the importance of planting churches in um, urban centers, you know, large cities and whatnot. Because of their influential matrix or being a hub of culture shaping information. And I obviously that's true. Totally agree with that. But I would also add, there's another segment in American society as well as I guess world society that has the same type of influence. And I think of it as college towns, college towns actually end up feeding San Francisco or feeding Los Mm -hmm. Angeles or feeding the large um, urban centers with the, the next generation of artists and architects and technical, you know, uh, employed, technically employed, um, creatives and whatnot. And so in some sense, we have the unique opportunity of connecting with them, reaching them before they go and become, you know, a very wealthy, um, employer, you know, business owner at one of these other big urban centers.
1: Yeah. Keyword is before they become wealthy. (laughs) Yeah, that's what, that's what I found. Uh, people come through my church and they're going
0: to be very rich one day, but they're not now, not now. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, it's, it's funny that you say that because yeah, we're constantly in that place where like, there's a really good friend of mine. If, if you're familiar with, you know, photography, um, on like the, uh, iOS or actually, I guess it's even on Android too, but it's called VSCO, V-E-S, V-S-C-O. It's a really well known, yeah. um, Joel Flory, he's the owner of that. And, uh, he, he was very involved in our church, involved in our college group and, um, super good guy. And when he left slow to go move to Oakland, he started that company and it became, you know, this overnight success that's massive. Right. It's, you know, anytime you do a search for photography apps, that, that one's always going to come up because it's you know really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there is its unique challenges because like you said that you have the transiency level of people coming in for a little bit. Um, yeah. and not only are they there in your church, um, but, the, but they're there in the community for a distinct purpose. And it, it's not to grow as a disciple. It's not to become yeah. Yeah. a contributing member of San Luis Obispo proper. It's really just to consume, you know, I don't mean consume in a bad way, but to consume, yeah um, information in order to get a degree in order to then go to their, their main objective, which is, you know, get a job or start a business or whatever. Um, and so, you know, we, we have a lot of college age people. I think over the years, our church has also developed where we have a lot of like younger families. I think the number one, you know, larger percentage of people that are at our church age wise, demographic wise between age 18 to 35. So we have a lot of people kind of fitting within that, that, you know, age range. Um, And yeah, it's, it's caused us to really have to ask, how can we be strategic in helping people to learn the way of Jesus in kind of a condensed form, knowing that they're not going to be here, you know, for the next 10 years. And there, it is a minority of people that are there beyond five years, six years, um, you know, though we do have them, it's, they're, they're definitely the minority, um, And so it's, it's caused us to really, I'm very aware that every time I preach through any book of the Bible, um, if just presenting like what Paul says, the whole counsel of God, like just constantly aware of, and there's times that, that's, that shape the way that we do this. So that being said, there's, I want to present not only a good, Conceptualization of the whole council of God in a particular book, for example, First yeah. Peter, like I'm going through right now. But I've also, I'm not afraid of taking moments to where, especially when our culture is is in the throes of having to react or respond to some critical mass um, elements of how to address those types of things. So, for example, um, when I got back from my sabbatical, I, I just realized, like, man, we, I need to speak. Into as a discipleship moment, helping people to know how to like navigate um, some of these really uh, overt, ac- acutely painful elements that our culture is dealing with with regard to racism, with regard to, um, you know, political instability. Um, with regard to loneliness that comes as a result of isolation, as a result of the pandemic and all these other types of things. So, you know, we, we took a few weeks to just kind of have some topicals. I'm not afraid to recognize. I think a good pastor needs to at times acknowledge, like, man, there's some topics that if I only rely upon as it cycles up in the scripture, yeah. you know, before I know it, five years is going to go by. I'm not, I'm not going to have an opportunity to talk about that particular Novelty item that needs to be talked about, and before then, at least in my context, those people will be moved away and gone, yes. and and I won't have an opportunity to faithfully communicate to them the content that's in that moment. It's acutely at the forefront of their mind. So um, those are some of the ways that it's, it's shaped me to realize. And I want to say there's like an urgency, but though uh, that might be too strong of a word, but it is an awareness that these people might not be here forever. Uh, well, they will definitely not be here forever. Um, I want to do the best I can to train them in the ways of the gospel, in the whole counsel of God, and ultimately how to live as a as a committed follower of Jesus in this moment. So that when they do move away, they'll be able to take that with them. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I just realize I'm I'm not responsible for how deep that seed will go in their heart. That okay. that's some sort of mysterious combination of the spirit of God, their volition, you know, and all these, my job is to just be faithful to scatter good seed upon their hearts and then trust that the Holy Spirit will take it. And, you know, I I think in some ways that has been a really rewarding element of even though in the moments we might have a church that has a lot of, you know, a lot of needs that come up from the lives of people, but not a lot of, you know, tangible resources to, you know, hire staff to meet those needs and all those types of things um but we also realize that a lot of the people that we're pouring into at some point they're gonna go someplace else they're gonna have an impact upon their culture, upon the arts upon you know whatever um, in in unique ways and, and that that may never come back to us in any like you know real tangible sense but we yeah. do periodically get like encouraging, you know, emails or I'll give you an example. A couple of them that come to my mind. One guy, he's actually pastoring a church up in Northern California, and he started out. He was just a young, I don't know, eighteen-year-old kid that came to Cal Poly, and uh, you know, I had I had a heart for this guy. I was just like, dude, let's let's hang out. And so I asked him if he wanted to lead worship. So for a short window of time, he was leading worship in one of our our Bible studies. And so, uh, you know, a couple months ago, he sent me an email. I was in the middle of like the coronavirus thing, and. Um, And he was just like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, here's what we're doing. You know, just thank you for your years of being faithful to help me understand the gospel. I'm I'm, I'm constantly looking at my landscape because where he lives is it's not a college town. It's more of like an established community. And um, so that was really encouraging to my wife and I, because I had an opportunity to marry him and his wife um, and then watching them. And there's there's been a handful of guys that have been a part of our church and now they're off pastoring you know all around in some cases around the world which is which is pretty rewarding to just look back and realize like man it's kind of cool to think that I have had a unique opportunity by God's grace to speak to shape their lives to help them comprehend scripture and and then to take that and then do the same thing on repeat you know
1: yeah, it's a, it's a unique challenge, you know. Um, we, we we end up saying goodbye to a lot of good people, and um, sometimes they write encouraging emails, and that's that's really most of the time they don't. Same <laughs> um, thing here. Yeah. yeah, so okay, but you know, um, yeah,
0: occasional nasty email like hey. Uh,
1: yeah, they exist too, but we're not talking about that today. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, but you know. I, I the lord might have might have been a vision or or just a thought that came to me this is many years ago back back when our church was like almost exclusively college age people that's not the case anymore but we would have such a turnover you know like 80% gone um for the summer and then come back but that was that was a long time ago but anyway it just really felt like you know those um Formula One race cars, you know, they zoom, 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 and then they they pull into the pit and just voop, voop, voop. it's like they get re you know the tires are new, they get refueled, and then off they go. And uh, you know that's that's what some people are called to do. I'm glad that that's not all that I'm called to do. And again, I'm glad for the, like the growing diversity and age and stage of life that our church has now. But um, but yeah, those those college students are, are are very valuable and and it's a wonderful thing to invest into them. Yep. Okay. Final question. I know this is, this is a little bit longer, but I think I, I don't mind. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> but, totally good, man. I yeah. hope I'm good. Um, maybe, maybe kind of a last question. Like, what are you trying to improve right now? I don't, I don't think you've arrived and I don't think you think you've arrived, but how are you trying to improve uh, even now in 2021?
0: Yeah. You know, with COVID, we had to completely modify how we did everything church wise. <clears throat> um, not not in a negative way and you know and I tell people like we we haven't really had to like cut back anything. I mean we we live in California and you know it's I recently read somewhere that it's literally has had this, the stiffest stipulations um and restrictions than any other state in America upon churches. Um And so we we've been meeting outdoors, uh, which, you know, fortunately we got good weather, but we've kind of had to shorten everything down. So we our service times, you know, pre-COVID was about 90 minutes. uh, And now we've kind of gone down to about a 60 minute uh, framework. And a lot of it is just it's more practical. Um, So for me, learning to articulate and communicate um, a rich portion of text uh, yeah. scripture in a shorter amount of time has been i don't want to say a bad challenge but a really good challenge it's, it's forced me to to become more specific in terms of what i'm sensing the lord wants to speak and how, what elements he wants to highlight um so i've i feel like as far as improvement um i think for me personally just I don't have a problem talking for a long time. I can talk for a long time. And in some ways that's a problem because I can then recycle and repeat myself and I can recycle and repeat myself. <laughs> I can cycle and repeat myself. Um and and that's that's something that I'm learning to not do in in having to want to create a context where scripture is able to go forth in the present world that we're living in right now, midst of COVID, meeting outdoors. Sometimes it can be cold. Like I, I can't, you know, speaking for 45 minutes to an hour, it's just, it's not going to work. You know, people will tune out. Uh, so learning to do that in a, in a time frame that is given to me has been the challenge. And so I, in a lot of ways, it's been good because it's really forced me to just be more careful on what I'm looking to put into it and in some ways, it's also given me more free time because I actually find the less amount of time I spend thinking, um, it helps me to be able to put things together in a more uh, articulated fashion.
1: Yeah, if funny how that works. If you think yeah. less, you have less to say. I,
0: I guess <laughs> that's the way it works. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Be sure. short. So, uh,
1: to put it in a word, you'd say kind of succinctness is something that you want to work on more. Uh, once things go back to normal, if, if they do, do you look forward to no longer being succinct or is this something that you want to carry into the rest of your ministry?
0: Yeah, I actually think I do want to carry it more into my ministry. Um, I, at least for Sunday mornings, um, I want to kind of create a more succinct, um, in form of engagement with people on Sunday mornings. Um but that being said, you know, we will continue to create more opportunities outside of Sunday morning that I can just delve deeper, I can go longer and and it's it's more catered towards an audience of people that want to say dig deeper. Again, yeah. in in America, in California, people that go to church on Sunday morning are not necessarily those that are the are always going to be the highest quality disciple. Like, hey, we're here to follow Jesus. We're here to dig deep deep into scripture. You know, I think it's kind of a cultural thing, but I don't want to minimize the wetting their appetite of the richness of scripture because of that. So I'm not going to dumb the message down, nor am I going to dumb things down. But what I will do is I want to be more articulate with the timeframe that I have to, to bring forth as much of the whole counsel of God within that limitation that I'm able to. Because look, when you think of it at the end of the day, whether or not you speak for two hours or 20 minutes, you still have limitations. So just because you have two hours doesn't mean that you're going to be able to like, because you have limitations of human bodies, people getting tired, you have limitations of, you know, noises or just whatever. There's still limitations. So you're not going to be able to get around limitations. Um, And I think it's been a a healthy uh, practice for me to learn to just become more refined um, in articulating, um, ideas and concepts within that, that limitation of time frame. So uh, i would actually enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of limitations, I'm, I'm trying to find a quote. Um, uh, John Chrysostom, a uh, Turkish uh, Christian from the 5th or 6th century, he said something along the lines of that, that the mind can only take what the seat can bear. Um, he's like, and, and you know, that guy's articulate. He's a great, one of the greatest preachers in the history of the church. But he's like, listen, I can only preach for as long as they can sit. And if, if it gets too long, then it's just, what's the point? So I think succinctness, yeah, we should continue to aim for that.
0: I think, you know, all of us, we would, many of us listening to this, I think would agree that, you know, back in the early 90s, uh, mid 90s, early 2000s, there's a preacher who, who were named, nameless that preached for like an hour and Plus, and I think a lot of us were heavily influenced by that. And I think that mindset of just like, we're just going to go and preach. And there's, I think there's a sense of like, hey, I'm doing the work of God. And, and you can be, it's possible. But I think what I, I had to do, I had to learn to listen to other voices. Some of them, some of which were maybe even my wife that were like, that's a little bit long, a little, little bit lengthy. And I know there was a bristling inside of me at first that was kind of like, ah, yeah. this is preaching the Bible. This is, you know, we need to follow Jesus and we need to live yeah. according to this. And people
1: can watch just, Lord of the Rings for three no, hours. We, Why can't yeah. they listen to me preach for an hour and 20 minutes?
0: Totally. And I remember just being kind of like put off by that. And I think over the years, I've just had to realize like different contexts, different people, different absorption rates. And And I don't want to overlook the importance of of bringing the gospel message and all of its richness to all varieties of those types of people, not just simply singling out the the hardcore, like militaristic, like we're here for the Bible type of a mindset. But just being able to say, I I want even the most vulnerable, farthest away person from Jesus to be able to uh, receive it without me having to cater everything just for that person. But somehow to walk this balance between the two. And that's kind of where I'm trying to live.
1: Yeah. And if we're thinking of that same late 90s, long-winded influential preacher, you know, like like that guy, um ha a how at a particular set of gifts, but then also had a particular kind of congregation of young people with no kids. And I think that's another another factor too. Like, it's important to listen to, like, you know, you listen to Sherry, you listen to your wife. Also, listen to like our kids' workers too. Like, how is kids' ministry doing? Like, the Spirit might move us to be an hour and a half, but then that also is a huge drag to every volunteer that you have in the dress of the church. So, factor that in as well. Okay. Speaking of going long, we, the spirit moved on us to have a, a really long interview Um But uh, but this is this is a really like like I said before we started, like I I just like you. I just like talking to you. You're kind of like a a conference buddy. But uh, but then it's always like between between sessions, we'll chat for a bit. And okay well, but it's nice to have a a longer form conversation. This is one of those episodes I might listen to later on just for the pure enjoyment of it. (laughs) Um, Any anything else, anything that you've been like waiting for me to ask, anything you think should be here before we wrap things up?
0: Man, I just want to tell you, you're doing a great job and just keep up what you're doing. Keep providing just good content. You know, I I know it's an encouragement to a lot of people. So thank you for, uh, you know, leadership is about somebody just stepping in the gap and saying, I'm going to fill in that gap and do it. And you're doing it, man. Thank you for what you're up to.
1: Well, I, it's, it's a it's a joy, especially when I get to talk to people like you. So uh, thanks so much, Brian. And uh, uh, so calvaryslow.com or .org? Where can people connect or how can they hear hear these sermons?
0: Yeah, calvaryslow.com. We've got sermon stuff right there. Um, you know, I'm on social media, Instagram, Facebook. You know, check me out there as well. So, yeah.
1: Cool. Thank you so much. And I will catch you later.
0: Thanks, Mike. Have a good one, bro.
1: Well, hey, and also thank you to you for listening all the way to the end. You know, the, the admiration is, is real. Um, we really enjoyed speaking to one another and I hope that it benefited um, all of those who listened to it. Okay, so this week uh, we're actually going to be dropping a bonus episode in a few days time. It's going to be... Really specialized, uh, very specific help towards your sermon prep. I'm not going to give any details here, but make sure that you are subscribed so that this bonus episode automatically shows up in your phone or to your device. Well, I hope that this episode and all that we do here at the Expositors Collective Podcast whether it's uh, the podcast or the YouTube channel, whether it's through our webinars or our in-person training events, through the mentorships, I hope that all of that works together to help you grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word.